Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. You'll want to sit tight this hour as host Mike Abadir and co-host Gino Bacola talk to the experts, celebrities, and figures from the worlds of sports and business of sports. We cover the NFL, baseball, basketball, soccer, and horse racing, so we have all of the bases covered. Now, we just need your participation. Here is your host, Mike Abadir. Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. I am, of course, Mike Abadir. Today is Thursday, November 4th, 2021. What does that mean to me? It means that the Breeders' Cup Championships are upon us. Starting tomorrow, you're going to have the impressive Friday card, followed by Saturday. Really, really deep, competitive, wide-open, money-making opportunity card on Saturday. We have championship races galore super super exciting stuff we're gonna have a couple of guests come in here and give us some of their best bets and get a little in-depth on the breeders cup lot to talk about today including the braves winning the world series lots of nfl stuff to get to but our first guest and by the way let me just set this up for a second what the breeders cup means to me is a life full of memories really and that's not an exaggeration Going way, way back, it was my favorite weekend of the year because I get a chance to go with my dad and my absolute favorite uncle, Ralph, and other uncles, and we'd go to the races, we'd get up early, and they'd want to get there by 7 a.m. if the Breeders' Cup was on the West Coast, and we'd go to Bay Meadows and get a table and handicap the night before all night long and then play the races, and we'd have joint plays and individual plays, and this is going as far back as I could sneak in being a minor. Uh, I'm glad that my dad and the uncles let me come with them being so young and put in plays and stuff. I guess it wasn't as enforced back then as it might be now. That's what it means to me in a very quick nutshell. Let's get to our first guest and see what it means to her because she's been in the game with Fairgrounds over in New Orleans. But right now, she is one of the top NFL writers covering the New Orleans Saints for The Athletic. I'm talking about none other than a previous guest in our show. We welcome her today, Kat Terrell. Kat, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing pretty well, Kat. Uh, Just in terms of before we get to this weekend, how far back do you go with the Breeders' Cup? Um. That's hard to say. I I got into racing when I was pretty young. I'm trying to remember, like, when I first started watching the Breeders' Cup or getting into it. I'm sure it was before this, but my my real first memory, I mean, some people here are going to laugh, but I probably 2004, uh, when I was a teenager, I was 14, um, when Ghost Sapper was just on that run. And, I mean, man, he was just so dominant. And that was, you know, the last... Breeders' Cup, or the only Breeders' Cup, I think, at, at Lone Star Park, um, which is unfortunate. It was kind of fun when they went to some of these um, smaller tracks or less-known tracks. Um, but, yeah, you know, unless I'm getting the year wrong, and I don't think I am, that's kind of how far back I remember when I really started looking at this uh, year after year. And, you know, lo and behold, ended up being a horse racing writer about um, – eight years later. So it's kind of crazy, uh, I guess, how things work out. Now, did you actually cover the event in of itself, the Breeders' Cup? I've covered one Breeders' Cup 
when it was, I traveled down, so when I was living in Cincinnati, uh, trying to remember what year that was. It was not long ago, probably 2017. I might be wrong. I've not covered the, I've not covered the Breeders' Cup at Keeneland, which is unfortunate because I know that would be tons of fun, and I would love to be out there this weekend. But you know, my other job, my primary job as an NFL writer, takes precedent over me going to California, which is sad, but not that sad. <laughs> well, let's talk about the other job for a quick second before we get into the uh, races here. You cover the Saints for the Athletic, as I mentioned in the intro. How does the team feel right now having being forced to move on from Jameis Winston? I think it's just one of those things where they're so used to just having – Things go wrong this year or things just being out of the ordinary. I mean, they spent a month on the road, you know, um, that I think they kind of take it in stride. I do think some players took it more personally than others because you can tell that Winston is very liked in the locker room. I mean, I've never seen a situation where a player got hurt and he had his teammates going into the injury tent to stand there and check on him. I've honestly never seen that. And I've, cover the league since 2012 uh, so that says a lot about Jameis and I think in that sense it hurts them as friends and teammates but I do think that when Trevor Simeon came in and he was able to play with poise and he was able to be calm that it kind of calmed them down and they came away impressed now I think Simeon play was up and down but I think this team knows that its real strength is its defense and it's kind of set up so that they don't have to have a quarterback, you know, be a Hall of Famer like Drew Brees to win them games. So I really think they still feel confident in their team and where this team could go, even if they have to move on to, you know, their, their third quarterback in, in a year, really. Maybe fourth if you count Taysom. Um, I'm going all the way back to Brees last year. But, yeah, it's been a lot of changes lately. What, what can we expect? Lots of Simeon or Taysom Hill or combination? Well, my sense is that it would be Trevor Simeon starting this week. And then next week, I, I'm not really sure. I would think that they would want to give Taysom a chance to start. I just think that it's it's a little tough this week because he's been in concussion protocol for almost a month now since that Washington game. And he just came back to practice, and so he wasn't even a full participant until today. So it's kind of hard to game plan when you really don't know when a player is going to clear protocol. So my best guess is it's Simeon this week, next week, uh, to be determined, I guess. Okay, one last NFL question. Are there any rumors about the Saints being interested in signing anybody out there, quarterback or other? (laughs) <laughs> well, I, you know, I think the Saints are so wide receiver needy. There's going to be a ton of rumors following them around no matter what happens. But it was interesting that when we talked to Sean Payton the other day, a report had come out that said the Saints were, you know, working hard at trying to get Odell Beckham. They couldn't agree with the Browns on how much the Browns would pay of his salary because the Saints have less than a million dollars left in salary cap space. Beckham is owed $8 million, uh, so that's a tough thing to do. And, you know, without mentioning the player by name or kind of without being prompted, he said, 
you know, it's not like we came down to the wire. There was no, like, close negotiating right at the deadline for any position. So I don't know if he was trying to dispute the report without saying he was disputing it, but I found that interesting. And yet, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if somehow Beckham gets cut and he's a free agent that the Saints at least try to make something happen. And it's not really so much about wide receiver. I mean, it is, but the Saints are just that type of team that they're always trying to improve their team. If there's any chance that there's a guy out there on the market that's going to help them win, they're going to try to go after them, even if they have like $5 in cap space. So um, the next few weeks will be interesting. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see if they maybe sign Deshaun Jackson as a deep threat. He's lost his step, but, you know, there were a couple of touchdowns this year where he showed flashes of his old self. Yeah, I just, I don't know about him, though. I mean, maybe, I I just think that they already have Deontay Harris as the deep threat. But, you know, possibly, if they feel like he can help them win, I mean, why not? Why not at least bring him in? Yeah, yeah. No, I've got pretty strong feelings about OB, OBJ. Uh, I think it's more <laughs> initials than uh, team success thus far in his career, at least. So, um, you know, I know a lot of Saints fans would love to see him come in just for the splash effect, but I don't know. Uh, I, I'm i okay with them not pulling the trigger on that trade before the deadline or figuring out a way to get him over there still. Not not interested. Yeah. That's just me personally. Yeah, I, I kind of understand that perspective. I, I would say that my biggest thing has been that he hasn't – why would he be happy with the Saints if he's not happy in Cleveland? If, if his hap- unhappiness is um, surrounding the offense struggling. The Saints offense has its own problems. So my worry would be he's going to come in and then he doesn't get the ball enough or something like that, and then it's the same thing all over again. Um so, you know, uh, the team can figure that out. But uh, that would be my main concern is, you know, is he going to go to New Orleans and be on his best behavior? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Because he, he already did the same thing with the Giants. He wasn't happy there. Was, isn't happy in Cleveland. Right. He's got his dad coming out. Called and, out, you I <laughs> You know, yeah. Right. And, and then his dad coming out and calling out uh, Baker Mayfield. So there's a repetitive kind of theme here. He doesn't even have any time to get some rapport with with the Saints quarterback because the Saints quarterback himself is trying to get rapport with the team. Yeah, to me, it just doesn't make a lot of sense. But let's move on from that. We know you've got a busy schedule, Kat, so let's get into the Breeders' Cup. What are some of the races that you're kind of interested in from a handicapping perspective or just as a fan? Well, <laughs> truthfully, Things have been so crazy with the Saints this week. I'm trying to write the handicapping a column or put my best bets out, and I had to tell them I'm going to do it. I'm going to finish it tomorrow because I just haven't been able to devote the time to it. But I have been looking. Obviously, I look, you know, you look at the classic first because that's the one everyone's excited about and the one that you know your eyes are immediately drawn to. So I was kind of working backwards. So I've really looked at the classic the most, and that one's an interesting one. Because it's all—it's going to be completely about pace, you know. Who's next go is going to go to the front, and who goes with them? And if you have a bunch of horses go to the front, because there are there is a lot of speed in the race, then does the pace fall apart and set up for someone like Essential Quality, who I think is a fantastic horse? I think it's interesting from a handicapping perspective. I think it's interesting from a fan perspective because you know you've got you've got Medina Spirit, who's been the subject of all this controversy. You've got 
Central Quality, who was favored to win the Kentucky Derby, even though I didn't really like him in that race. Um, you know, I think I had a bad trip and came in fourth, but it's been great ever since. And you've got Nick Sko, who's five years old and, you know, just keeps chugging along. Um, so that's going to be fun. I don't know I'm talking fast here. I'm just trying to go through them. Um, and the juvenile, I think, is, is fun because I, I know, um, you know, there's one colt that's heavily favored, but I'm actually more interested in the Fletcher horses. I don't know about you. Oh, Jack Christopher. I forgot his name for a second. <laughs> He's only, you know, ran two races, so I'm a little skeptical. Just the nature of those young races can just be so up in the air. Yeah, no doubt about that. Uh, just sticking with the classic, do you have an exact play by any chance? Um, not yet, because the only problem in the classic is, like, it's one of those races where I'm, I'm, I'm like, uh, it's kind of all chalk. I, I, I don't know. I hope it doesn't turn out that way. But I do like essential quality on top right now. Now, you ask me tomorrow, and I might have come up with some new way to handicap the race and have changed my mind. But I, I just think, overall, I think he's the best horse in the race. Um, it just, you know, it's, gonna de- it's all going to depend on the, on the pace. You know, like a horse like Medina Spirit is, has to go to the front if he has a shot at winning. Uh, I think Nick's go would much rather be at the front. You know, that's how he wins his best races. But um, does he absolutely have to be in the front? I, I don't know. Um, so I don't. I'm, I'm. I don't know yet. I just. I'll just say right now I'm going to Central Quality, and I'll come up with a second horse later when I've done more research on this. Yeah, lots of pressure on Bob Baffert, though, right? I mean, if he enters this horse yeah. and it runs last, <laughs> or 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 just doesn't fire, you know, what's that going to make the Kentucky Derby performance look like, you, you know what I mean? It's like that that'll he's putting himself in a situation where the horse has to perform. And that's the one thing as a handicapper, do I bet on Baffert being right? Um, historically, the answer would be hell yeah, you know, but this is a pretty loaded field also. So um, not loaded in terms of this is the best classic field of all time, but loaded in terms of there's a lot of horses that can win. Um, I think most people probably narrowed down to three, four horses, the exact ones that you'd mentioned, you know, Nick's go essential quality, et cetera, hot rod, Charlie and, uh, and Baffert's horse, Medina spirit. So I could see what you're saying in terms of the difficulty. Well, you didn't say it's necessarily difficult, but it is difficult to put together an exacta if you don't want to play it all chalk or the top, you know, a with B and C a and D somewhere in that combination or even B and C not going to pay a lot. Yeah, absolutely. I think it is hard to look at our race and find a long shot. That's actually legit. Unless there's just some total pace meltdown. And even if that's the case, I would still think that the horses you'd look at first um, could benefit from that. But, you know, I think if you're looking at speed horse versus speed horse, I just think Nixco is, is better than Medina spirit. I mean, Medina spirit's a grinder, for sure, but you know, if these two go to the front and they stay there, then you know I'm going to go with the with the older horse uh, versus Medina Spirit, who to me he's still just he's such an enigma. He still feels largely unproven, even though he did win the Kentucky Derby and some races after that. I know that's because of our perspective on him and everything that happened afterwards. But he's just this weird afterthought in a very good race and. <laughs> Watch him, watch him win somehow, and, you know, it'll just be the same old thing where why did 
we try to take a stand against Bob Baffert in a race because, you know, we're going to be wrong. But um, he has some interesting juveniles, too. Um, so that's why I kind of mentioned the, the juvenile as a, another interesting race, um, maybe more so from a handicapping perspective than a pure fan perspective, though. Yeah, uh, we're talking to Kat Terrell from The Athletic. She's also, a uh, in her past life, uh, covered horse racing for fairgrounds. Tremendous rider. Check her out. What is your handle, Kat? It's Kat underscore Terrell, T-E-R-R-E-L-L. There you guys have it. So we were talking about Saturday's Race 12 for the Classic. And then Friday's race nine, which is the juvenile. You got a loaded trio or I guess duo of uh, Pletcher horses. And this one here is going to be all about beating Chad Brown's jet. Uh, uh, excuse me. Uh, Jack Christopher, Chad Brown, Jose Ortiz, nine to five, just about anything beyond that. You're going to get a price. Um, probably Bob Baffert's horse Cornish written by Mike Smith is going to get some action too, but you could be either of those two. You're going to make a lot of money in this race. Yeah. And, uh, I, I just read, I, I didn't know this, but Mike Smith chose him over the other Baffert horse, you know, for what that's worth. That's always an interesting angle to look at. Um, you know, Mike Smith is, you know, pretty knowledgeable about that stuff. So, um, that's something interesting. And just, you know, some of these Fletcher horses, you know, sometimes he surprises. He's not even surprised anymore. He comes in with these lightly raced horses, and then they end up doing really well. Um, although yeah, one of his horse horses they know is raced a lot. Yeah, yeah. And then he he has like one that's that's raced um, what six times. And the other one's only raced twice. So I'm like trying to pull up the the PPs. I had them all up in front of me, and now I can't find them. Um, so it goes. But um, yeah, I mean, I'm gonna try to beat the favorite here flat out. I agree. Kat, thank you so much for joining us. We're going to let you run. We know you got a busy schedule today. We will definitely be checking out. Uh, hopefully, you're able to put out something on The Athletic about the uh, Breeders' Cup races. But regardless, we're following you for all the Saints coverage. Thank you so much, Kat. Thanks for having me. And yes, I should have something up on The Athletic tomorrow. That'll be a little more coherent than I am now. So, uh Check it out. I'll tweet it out uh, tomorrow morning or afternoon. We'll retweet that as well. Thank you, Kat. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks for having me. Good, good luck this weekend. Bye. That is Kat Terrell from The Athletic. She covers the Saints. Going to cover some horse racing this weekend. Make sure you check her out. We're going to take a quick commercial timeout. And we're going to keep talking Breeders' Cup right after this. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Want to play the ponies and win? At Winning Ponies, we go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, and handicappers. The Winning Ponies Radio Show with John Englehart, racing's regular guy, is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Catch us live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Win prizes just for calling in. 
Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective, plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at the MikeAbadirShow.com. Now. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. You know, every year we do this uh, Breeders' Cup preview show. Over the years, we've had a lot of very interesting guests, ranging from many of the TVG hosts and expert handicappers, etc. We're going to start a new tradition here, Racing with Judd. Check them out. Great product, great Breeders' Cup analysis, great handicapping year-round. Typically, it's for uh, you know the Churchill, Kentucky circuit, but you could find him on any big day throughout the year. Judd, how are you, man? I'm doing well. How are you doing, Mike? I'm doing pretty well, man. How far back do you go about, uh, go with the Breeders' Cup? Oh, goodness. I think I've missed one Breeders' Cup in my life, uh, at least in, in, in recent memory, especially when it was Kentucky. I had, a, I had a special thing for high school going back to the year Enable. Enable ran an accelerant. I had a two-day thing for a high school senior fundraising that I had to miss, and I, was, I felt horrible. And... Uh, that was the only British Cup that I haven't actively participated or been at. Wow. Okay. So for me, it was going with my dad and my uncles um, from as early as an age as I could kind of grow some facial hair and, and sneak in as a minor. Is it parents for you, friends, grandpa? What's your connection to racing? You know, I'll give you a quick, funny story about that real quick. Uh, it started out with my grandfather. I was in the first winning circle picture. He owned some cheap claimers. And uh, like I said, I was in my first winning circle picture before I could say my first word. But uh, in, in 2009 and 2010, uh, the year um, Game on Dude got beat on the wire with Chantel Sutherland by uh, Drossmeyer Mike Smith. My uncle pulls me out of school, and I'm in a private private education and uh, school and and. You know, they, they took a real serious, real religious school. And my uncle comes in and picks me up to take me to the Breeders' Cup on that Friday. And it's an unexcused absence, yada, yada, yada. I had the time of my life. I'm in school on Monday. Parents got to meet with the principal. That's how far back it goes with me. So, you know, I was nine, about to be 10 at that time. 
during that Breeders' Cup. And that memory stuck with me forever. It was probably the biggest bet I ever made at that time. $10 to win on game one due to 12 to 1. I thought I was home free. And uh, Mike Smith roaring down the center of the track beats me. They were dating at that time too, right? I, you know, I believe so. I, I would be willing to say so. It was, in a, it was a great ride by Mike Smith. I'm not the biggest Mike Smith fan. And uh, I thought I was home free. Chantel rode a heck of a race. And, and that was the only time game on due was ever any good odds. He ended up being favored after that and all those big grade ones. But I'll never forget that $10 win bet. I thought I was something special. And now sometimes I wish I'd go back to a $10 win bet. I'll tell you that. Yeah, no doubt, man. Well, clearly your grandfather had his priorities straight. <laughs> oh, so. oh, yeah, dude. Working, uh, he, was, he, owned, he would pull out his own horses for Gary Hartledge Small Barn in uh, Kentucky, and, and he had a ton of success. And it just, it's, it's my passion ever since. I truly love it. Good stuff, man. So on to what the listeners are here for, which is winners, plays. How can we make some money this weekend? Let's start with Friday. I know you like the fifth race, which is the juvenile sprint, I believe. Yeah, five furlongs. Six race. Uh, race six, excuse me. I'm on I'm on Saturday. Let me get that back to Friday. Uh, five furlongs. Grade two, killer field. We got some of the usual suspects like Wesley Ward. We got some shippers coming in here. We got Peter Miller, the local guy. How do you see this race unfolding? Well, you know, I want to start off with, you got to start off with Wesley Ward. He's got the favorite. He's won the race, I'm pretty sure, other than the first edition bulletin one with Javier for Pletcher. Um this is a strange race. He enters a filling in, and usually, you know, Phillies against the boys, you know, that's like you got to overachieve some. Wesley said, uh, as a two-year-old, they kind of have a little bit more of an advantage. You get the three-pound weight advantage. But there's some real red flags here, and I'm going to start off with her beginning race. It was very impressive. Uh, she's bred out of midshipmen. I love midshipmen going two turns on turf. Usually they get to the lead. It's one of those angles I look at. But he sent her to Churchill on a real off track. She ran a great race. Uh, that race is there's a little controversy in that race right now with with her her pending test results. There's uh, you know a lot of talk around about that. But then they go up to they don't go to Royal Ascot and they go to Saratoga and they enter as an MTO and she runs a great race. But why would Wesley Ward you know enter as an MTO? He gets a soft build. You know she runs an okay speed figure. And then we go to Keeneland and you know we we do run a great race at Keeneland, but I don't think she really beat anything, especially considering he ran one two. I got. I'm not really sold on her this year, and I'm not really sold on any of Wesley Ward's contingent, to be quite honest with you. Who I really like is the nine, one-timer. Now, I don't understand. I go through Twitter. The four-to-one morning line made sense to me, and everybody's texting me. I see the Twitter, eight-to-one, what a horrible morning line this is. I think this this horse is just a really nice runner. Um, they started him out at Arlington Park, four-and-a-half furlongs, or five furlongs down there, 56 and four. That's flying, nice 80 buyer. We go to Woodbine up in Canada, five and a half, 103 and two, gate to wire fashion, real nice. And this is where it kind of gets strange for me. Um, before that race, before the, this previous race at um, Santa Anita, they worked in 45 and three out of the gate. He's got that dip. They go to Santa Anita, they rock it out of there on the inside, take over the lead, 21 flat for that opening quarter, 43 and two for the half, 55 and two, finishing up in a, in a strong 12 seconds. Um, 
this this horse has got a lot of speed. These races are really won by gate to wire fashion. You know, Fullerton was gate to wire. Uh, Golden Pal was gate to wire. Four wheel drive was essentially gate to wire. Uh, this is the fastest runner in, in this race. And Larry Ravelli is a fantastic trainer. He brings in ET for the ride. It's their only call. I, I just don't understand kind of the disrespect this horse is getting. And I'm going to take a stab. I don't see anybody who's faster in this race. And in time to party, you were talking about the Peter Miller horse. Flabby and Pride almost got this horse down, rode him down at the wire and almost, almost got him. It didn't look too close, but I could see that result coming right back. I think uh, in that race, the three horse, it, Go Bears Go, is really the most intriguing horse of the Breeders' Cup. Strong races of five furlongs, strong races of six furlongs. They stretched out. It didn't go well. They come here, kind of more of an interesting inter- entry. They get John Velasquez. They get back on a hard turf course, and they're going five furlongs. This horse can really finish up and uh, quite possibly could pull off the upset. This horse racing in the U.K., a new market and in Ireland. How do you, we always see Euros win in the Breeders' Cup? They always make their presence felt. Do you have any sense of who are the ones to look out for either on Friday or Saturday? Is there anybody that stood out to you? Well, actually, I'll tell you exactly how I handicapped the Euros. Uh, a couple of years ago at Keeneland, I learned something. Hit it a bomb when the Breeders' Cup juvenile. And the way to do it is, I don't know Euros. Anybody can tell you they know Euros. You don't really know Euros. you got to look at the offshore market. What is the bookmakers over there deciding? You know, if those odds, if there's a big odds discrepancy, they know something, and you're getting them here. Like, hit it a bomb was like 7-2 to two over in uh, Europe. A buddy of mine named uh, Matt Miller uh, pointed this out to me in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile. And he's like 7-1 to one here at, at Keeneland, and he wins. So I, I look at the offshore markets and I try to compare the odds and see a little bit of value. But of course, what, you know, what's a good horses, site to you know, see? The, I'm sorry. What's what's a good site to see the up to the minute, up to the second uh, euro odds? Offshore. Oh, odds. I kind of check a lot of them. Last night I was looking at Betfair, uh, uh, Bet US Racing was was offering some stuff. So I just honestly just search on Google. You know, I don't uh, you don't want to play those. There's different laws here, but you can feel free to research it. Betfair's got some really good stuff. And uh, just to see, you know, what you can look it up online. Uh, William Hill's got some of their some of their odds, and you just look at the discrepancies. And when they're all aboard on low odds, you know, they know, that, you know, those people have been watching those races. They know what they're shipping over, especially when our contingent isn't as good. But I will say, in a five on turf race, I know uh, a foreigner won it last year in the turf sprint. I'm just not. I just feel like we have so much speed. And at Delmore, five furlongs, you know, you want to be on the lead gate to wire. Of course, today, one in like the third race. You just want to go gate to wire. And uh, they usually, you know, they got the turn of foot. They're always rocking and rolling late. But I, I feel like in these five furlong turf races, I'm going to stick to to the speed. The Larry Ravellis, even the Wesley Wards, gate to wire fashions when I'm looking for. So that's your favorite on Friday. And by the way, for those who are interested, uh, my exacta play is eight nine ten one timer on top Averly jane and time to party so we're kind of similar no oh, yeah that's a great pick i mean i, I couldn't tell you enough that Avery, uh, it wouldn't shock me if Averly jane won. i'm just curious why why the all of a sudden the move to to turf especially when they threw out royal ascot in the spring I don't know, but the, the breeding really is there. And also, it's just, I kind of like to see her stretch out a little bit. But she's a, she is a rocket ship. She 
her race at Churchill really, I was there, I think that was the Tuesday or Wednesday of Derby week. They always run that race. And she, she ran a really nice race. Um, Tyler was so professional with her. He, he tapped her once with the right, with the right stick and she just took off and she really showed that she can, she's a nice mover. This horse has done no wrong for, for four, four races out, four wins. Everything between four and a half and five and a half furlongs. Only one on turf, but it looked pretty damn good. Let's, it looked real good. Yeah, let's, let's keep it moving then. So, is there anything else on Friday, or should we shift to Saturday? Uh, Friday, I think I just want to run over quick things. The uh, Cornish Jack Christopher matchup is going to be really, really intriguing to watch. Uh, Charlie Appleby, I think, could run one, two in the last. That's one. Uh, Modern Games. Modern Games has taken a ton of play in the in the overseas markets and stuff. He, he's really getting hammered. It seems like that's one that a lot of people from the Charlie Appleby camp really like. I took the other Charlie Appleby. That's in race 10 on just Friday. Simply. Yeah, that's the last race. I took the other I, I Charlie Appleby on race top. 10 on Friday. I like. Yeah, race 10 on Friday. And um, I, I like Frankie DeTore. That's that's going to be a really intriguing race. Modern games five to one over here. What is it overseas? Last time I looked, it was like seven to two, three to one. Okay, taking taking some good action. So this yeah, is a very interesting race. We got the Applebee horses. That, yeah, I mean, we got the Applebee horses as you mentioned. We got a trio of uh, Cassie horses. We got Christopher Clement in here, Mike Maker represented, Brad Cox represented, Doug O'Neill. Or did I see Doug O'Neill? No, yes, Doug O'Neill. Yeah, McKinnon. That's owned by the uh, hockey player. Yeah, there you go. That's right. Morning line favorites, four to one. So you know that you're going to get a price regardless of who you use here. Let's go to Saturday. And that's the race the Euros have done well. Oh, yeah. No doubt about that. So. Let's slide over to Saturday, and you want to talk about race five on Saturday, which is the – let me scroll to – well, you could tell us. The Breeders' That's a Cup turf sprint. sprint. It's really just – yeah, it's just the same thing I did with the last race. It's the fastest horse I want to take. Lieutenant Dan comes into this race. He's got two euros to his inside on uh, last year's champion glass slippers. And a very another very nice runner, but I still don't see them showing the pop out of the gate. So essentially, I'm looking at this. He draws the two hole, and his only speed in Golden Pal, the obvious favorite, last year's juvenile turf winner, one of the fastest horses in the country, Golden Pal, is drawn on his inside. I think Lieutenant Dan's faster than him. I mean, five furlongs and fifty-five and four two back just sticks sticks out to me. The hundred buyer, if you believe in buyers, I'm all in on this horse. I watched. I was there last time for Golden Pal's last race, and I just thought he didn't travel well. And for sure, he didn't beat anything. Extravagant Kid is, you know, I know he went out there in, in Dubai. I'm not sure on Extravagant Kid. You know, he ran up against Firecrow for Ron Moquette. Firecrow actually put his nose in front, and I know it looks impressive to Golden Pal, you know, dug back in. But I'm just not sold on Golden Pal in that last race. I think, I think Golden Pal is very vulnerable. So I'm all in on Lieutenant Dan. Yeah, I misspoke. I said four to one, but it's seven to two is the morning line with Golden Pal, of course. Um, where did I see four to one? I don't even know. Anyways, uh, this, oh, I guess that was the last race. This is an, another race where just about any horse you pick is going to give you a square price. 
Oh, yeah. It's such a tough race, too. I mean, you miss the break, you're done. You got Wesley Ward with Golden Powell, Resmi Red. They got a lot of speed. It's great to see the defending champion Glass Slippers come back in this race. And Glass Slippers forms a little muddy. I watched those replays. It, Glass Slippers could pull the upset off again, but I'm just not big on, you know, closing, going five furlongs on the turf when Lieutenant Dan, two for two over the surface, crushed the summer, won the grade two last out going six and a half furlongs and won 11 and three. I know it's down the hill. Cuts back. Giovanni Franco is a very underrated rider. It's good to see him return the call. I like these connections. You know, they took a year off, something went wrong, but clearly he is better than ever, and he is fast. He's a yeah, fast runner. One of the reasons that Judd is saying, if you miss the break, you're kind of, uh, you know, up the creek, if you will, is because of the configuration of Del Mar, there's an immediate uh, turn, right? Oh, yeah. You know, the one thing about one-timer that I was concerned about is the post position's horrible. I'd like to have that inside draw. And like I said, with Lieutenant Dan, I don't see the one or two showing. You know, they might show they'll be close just because they're on the inside, but they're not going to keep up with going pound Lieutenant Dan. So he's going to be able to slip into the two-path, have the target on him, which he is he is set right off the lead before. You know, when I say set right off the lead, he's been up there ding-dong it head-to-head, and he's been able to kick on. I think he can kick on past Golden Powell. I'll say that. Judd, we only have about 30 seconds before the commercial break, and I wanted to get a uh, winner from you for the Classic before we wrap up this session. Nick Sco. It's all Nick Sco. Brad Cox is the best trainer in the country. He's going to run one-two with uh, Nick Sco and Essential Quality. You know, our, our sheet, my, the partner that helps me write this, Luke Kieber, uh, do a lot of work for Brad Cox. Uh, we want to see Brad Cox win, and uh, it, it's not even really a comparison. Nick's goes best source in the country, best source in the world. Gate to wire fashion. Essential quality is going to be on the outside. Run him up in the second. Run, better straight exact than Nick's go over essential quality. How can we follow you on Twitter? How can we get your sheets? Racing with Judd on Twitter, just as simple as that. Racingwithjud.com backslash Wixsite. Feel free to follow me on the Twitter, DM me. The Breeders' Cup sheets are up for sale. I know Mike Scott tomorrow is in his possession. Hopefully he likes it, and uh, let's make some money. Let's do it, my man. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much for joining us and giving out some money-making picks, hopefully. No, I can't thank you enough. Always a pleasure. That's Racing with Judd. Check him out, guys. You will definitely like the analysis. Stay with us. We're going to be back with some more Breeders' Cup talk right after this. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Want to play the ponies and win? At Winning Ponies, we go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, and handicappers. The Winning Ponies Radio Show with John Englehart, racing's regular guy, is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Catch us live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Win prizes just for calling in. 
Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune into All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Mondays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. Streaming live, the leader in Internet Talk Radio, VoiceAmerica.com. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Back with the final segment, the segment I call the money-making segment. Speaking of money, by the way, did you guys see this? The top 10 highest paid athletes of all time. Now, I hate to name drop, but I'm talking to Mike Tyson's camp. Okay, so he's fresh on my mind. And I was thinking to myself, the guy made hundreds of millions of dollars. He must be on this list of the top 10 highest paid athletes of all time, right? Nope. These are all guys that have made upwards of $1 billion. Now, some of these figures are adjusted for inflation. But Michael Jordan is the king, not just of basketball, but in terms of all the athletes of all time. He's made $2.62 billion, billion with a B, followed by three golfers, Tiger Woods, Arnold Palmer, Palmer, and Jack Nicholas. Tiger is the only other guy in the $2 billion club with Jordan. The other guys are $1.5, $1.3. If you go all the way to number 10, tennis. Tennis, believe it or not, Roger Federer has made $1.12 billion. Interestingly enough, not surprising. We don't see anybody from the NFL on here. A little bit more surprising. We don't see anybody from baseball, but we see uh, another basketball player in LeBron, two soccer players, Cristiano Ronaldo and Lionel Messi, one boxer, Floyd Mayweather, of course, and one racing team, Michael Schumacher. That is interesting stuff. Let's bring on Pop. DB Aussie, handicapper extraordinaire, covers it all, baseball, basketball, football, boxing. We know that basketball is in his heart, but where he makes his dough is in horse racing. What is up, Pop? How are you? What's going on, brother? Um, I'm feeling good. This is the best weekend in horse racing, period, point blank. If you love the game, if you love betting on the game, this is your week right here you know i mean this is where the star stars come out the best of the best and everything is just is is it's life is beautiful you know what i mean and um i can't wait it's going to be a beautiful uh picturesque weekend as well too i know it's not going to be any bad weather down there in delmar no little drizzles or anything like that like last time they were there they had a little drizzle friday but i do expect that to be i expect it to be um you know, better than advertised, to be honest with you. Man, I love the enthusiasm. Just take over the show. It's your show from here on out, man. <laughs> where, where do you want to go in terms of Friday or Saturday? Let's start with Friday. 
Okay, Friday, I was looking at the juvenile because I feel like that's the most important race of the day. Okay, what because race number are we talking? Because the juvenile gives us an idea who's going to be the top three-year-old coming into 2022 who's going to okay. possibly be the Kentucky Derby favorite. And, and what, what race number are we talking about? Um, I don't have the race number right here in front of me, but it would probably be the last race of the day tomorrow. So I would be guessing it would probably be race 11, but I'm over here. I'm looking into it because I had the Breeders' Cup stuff up. I don't have the racing form in front of me, but I don't remember the exact number that what the race is going to be. But Okay, for I those know listening out there, I just pulled it up. It is race 10 on Friday. It's, like Pop said, it's the last race of the day. Right. So, All right, continue. I'm sorry. What I see, yeah, what I see here is is that you got a, a very widespread group, and you're going to actually hand out value within this group as well, too. Um, you have a really good horse in Papa Cap, who's already won at Santa Anita before, and he's trained by Mark Cassie, going to be ridden by Jersey Joe. And, you know, he's going to be getting a, right now, it's looking 15 to 1, but this horse will be getting some action put on it. And then Double Thunder, you know, that's just Flavian Pratt. He knows the track very well. Windstar, Horse, Ty Pletcher, Blase, Blase. You know, that horse will go into the exotics as well, too. And um, from what I can see here, it's just a wide-open race, Mike. And um, there's a lot of really good horses in here. Jack Christopher really stands out with this group because he's done so well on the East Coast. But, you know, it would have been best – if you thought that this horse was really, really talented, if you guys shipped him, but you know, sometimes you just got to stay at home and get the horse, uh, you know, uh, comfortable. So pretty much, uh, Jack Christopher is the favorite, but where I'm going to go with this one, Mike, I really do like the horse that, um, I do really do like this horse Baffert's bringing in here at Pinehurst. And I think Pinehurst has not ran its best race yet. And I think that this one, this Baffert right here, is going to kind of shake things up a little bit. I know Baffert's not the most popular guy right now, but I cannot discount Baffert in a race like this with a horse that's at 8-1 to one on the morning line. I know he has another one that's in here 5-2. to two. Mike Smith's going to be riding, blah, 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 blah. But thing is, though, I think that Pinehurst will wind up running his best race tomorrow because he has John Velasquez. Uh, as his pilot tomorrow. And Baffert and Velasquez have been like, you know, Phil Jackson, MJ good together over the last year. So that's who I like in that race. What are your thoughts on the race? You know, I misspoke. We're talking about race nine on Friday. Race okay. nine on Friday. And that is for a mile and a 16th. Uh, you know, when I was handicapping this race, I obviously it's can you beat Jack Christopher? Can you beat Corniche? Right? Because everybody else is a price. So for me, I'm kind of looking at it as I'm going to include those guys in a superfecta and then throw in some big long shots underneath. Command performance at five to one is intriguing. Pinehurst, as you mentioned, eight to one is intriguing. And Barossa at 10 to one is intriguing. My guess is that Jack Christopher gets bet down, Corniche gets bet, bet down, you get to get double-digit odds on everybody else. And you have so many, I don't want to ever say that there's a just throw them out in the Breeders' Cup because we've seen big bombs come in, but you got a handful of horses at 30 to 1. 
it's that mid tier that I'm kind of interested in pop that mid tier in between those two favorites and in between those ridiculous odds, 30 to one morning lines, 20 to one morning lines, everybody else is going to be kind of in that teens category pop. Right. And this sets up to be just exactly literally how the last juvenile was at Del Mar that saw, um, you know, big favorite get taken down. You know what I mean? Not taken down to where he won the race and they took him down because of some type of inquiry where that that horse was over bet and did not show up. So pretty much that's what the angle I'm looking at as well, too. And that's why I like Pinehurst because I like the combination of jockey trainer. And I don't even really like handicapping like that. But I know how good these two have been together all year. And I think that this will be a good move for Pinehurst. And it cracks me up because Barasa and Pinehurst are literally, they're literally, um, you know, uh, they're literally teammates because uh, they have the same owners uh, as well, too. Um, so it's going to be pretty fun. So they, they got two opportunities to uh, get into the winner's circle uh, with their horses as well, too, because it's crazy. They're, it's owned by like 10 different people, both horses. Yeah, that's a that's a very, very interesting angle right there. They're, uh, I don't want to say virtually <laughs> the same horse, but, you know, it's interesting to me, though, because Baffert's been using John Velasquez lately. I don't remember that before. And, I mean, he has this year. But in the past, Johnny V has really been kind of uh, committed to the East Coast uh, trainers, you know, Pletcher and Chad Brown, et cetera. But that's an interesting angle, man. And I'll say this. Baffer has a lot of pressure on him this Breeders' Cup. I mean, a tremendous amount. He's got to come ready to perform or else, right? Reputation-wise, he's going to take a very, very big hit. I'm betting that he does not take a hit and he solidifies his position as the top trainer in America. That just me personally, Pop. Let's keep it moving. We got little time left here. What are you looking at on Saturday? Well, I love the turf race. I always will be a big fan of the turf race. I remember I had the Philly a few years ago at Keeneland, not the recent Keeneland one, but the first one at Keeneland. She ran so good that day as well, too. So, you know, so don't sleep on the Phillies in this race. But this is another race that I feel will be a little formful because it is the turf and the turf is going to be real firm. And I think it's going to be one of these uh, one of these imports. And the import that I'm looking at right now, and I, I – I really am kind of astonished with the horse a little bit uh, from seeing things that from seeing what's going on with it. I really like this horse, uh, Bolshay Ballet. I think that um, Aiden O'Brien is not going to come over here and try to be empty-handed once again. And then he has one of the best jockeys in the world, Ryan, uh, riding that horse as well too, in Ryan Moore. I think that they get their moment in the sun on Friday, on Saturday. To be honest with you, and I like Gufo, the Clement horse. And Joel Rosario is the jockey on this horse as well, too. So that's a good combination. And we all know that Joel will ride that horse until the wheels fall off if it's going to be in contention to win that race. So he might be the most dangerous jockey in the 
field because the way that he pushes his horses to victory. So I like those two horses, but I know I add uh, more underneath as I do more studying on the uh, races. Um, and pretty much in real quick, I'm just going to drop a little promo real fast. You guys can catch horsing around uh, early tomorrow morning and early Saturday morning as well, too. And I have all my Breeders' Cup stuff and the Del Mar races that they're going to be running as well, too. Good stuff there. We only have a few moments left with you, Pop. Any thoughts on the Classic? I heard your buddy say that it was very glowing about uh, what um, about the two horses that uh, I'm trying to think of the trainer's name right now, but He's been the hot man like all year long, but Brad still, Cox. I think that yeah, Brad Cox. Brad Cox has been the man all year long. Yeah, good stuff, all that stuff. Guess what? I'm gonna go out on a limb, Mike. I'm gonna go out on a limb. I think that the most hated horse in the race will wind up having his day once again, and that's Medina Spirit. I don't want to sleep on Medina Spirit this time. I messed up at the Derby. I got a good price. You had a good price on him, but I was infatuated with Rock Your World. But I knew Medina Spirit could run huge that day. I I kept saying to myself, well, this is the horse that you can probably trust the most because it's been in races, and it's it's lost, it's won, it's done everything. And I think that this will wind up being the big FU for uh, Bob Baffert and Medina Spirit takes the classic. That says a lot from you because I know you're a big fan of Doug O'Neill, Hot Rod Charlie, number three horse with Flavor Flavon. But I agree with you. And I think this is the big pressure horse for Bob Baffert, of course. You got to kind of vindicate right. that Kentucky Derby win. And no better way to do it than to win the biggest race on the two day card for the Breeders' Cup, the one that everybody wants, the one that everybody wishes they had a contender for. Very competitive nine horse field. You got a central quality and Nick's go, of course, but you're looking at Medina Spirit, the number eight horse. I uh, I tend to agree with you. I, I would. This is not a race where I'm going to try to necessarily hit a long shot. I think it does come down to the the main contenders, Pop. Right, and you know I love Hot Rod Charlie, but there's one thing about Hot Rod Charlie. I feel like when it comes to these big races, he just doesn't have enough 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 to beat these superior horses yes he did a great job but you have to remember how he got into the kentucky derby this horse really tries really hard i think hot rod charlie if he's kept on later on for you know if they let him race a, a, a another year or two he will be an incredible older horse I think that's where his best days are really lying at. And he could possibly come back if he was to come back. He could come back and win the Classic next year. Yeah, I, I, I tend to agree with you. He's a little bit light on wins, three out of his 11 races. Pop, thank you so much. Give us really quickly, what's your Twitter handle? Uh, at PopDiBiase on the Twitter. And you guys can go ahead and uh, check that out. Once again, PopDiBiase. But put in the primetime capper and they come right on up for you as well, too. That's all the time we have, everyone. I hope you have a tremendous, successful winning Kentucky, or Kentucky Derby, what am I saying? <laughs> Breeders' Cup weekend. We'll see you same time, same place next week. Enjoy your winning weekend, everyone.
Thanks for joining us this week for the Mike Abadir Show. Please tune in again next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and 4 p.m. Pacific Time for another show with Mike and his co-host, Gino Bacola, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a great week. Oh,